today on Ag News Daily. Although a quarter doesn't sound like a lot, if I told you you lost a quarter on 15 billion bushels, that, that starts to become a lot. Market Monday, January 23rd, 2023, 123.23, Delaney. Look at that. A couple of numeric repeats here. Tanner and Delaney here to bring you the latest headlines out of the agricultural sector today. How are you doing, Delaney? Today I'm a little tired, Tanner, but I'm doing well otherwise. Well, we'll see if we can't burn right through this and maybe get you some time to take a nap. That sounds nice. I would love to take a nap today. And then when you wake up, we could make some eggs just like it was breakfast for you. And the good news is, is wholesale egg prices are down more than a dollar a dozen since hitting their record high for their daily average price of $5.40, according to the USDA economists. In their monthly report that just came out, wholesale prices are expected to decline all year as projections are put together. The producers are continuing to rebuild their egg laying flock capacity. Retail egg prices are going to lag that of the wholesale prices, Delaney. However, they are going to continue to trend downwards starting January 11th is when they started to see prices decrease and they estimate the average wholesale price for the year of 2023 to be down to $2.05 a dozen. So that's right now sitting at $4.12. So that's a pretty positive outlook for us as we go to the grocery store. Probably not that positive outlook at our listeners that are egg producing farmers. Yeah, and for our dairy producing farmers that listen to the podcast, we just got word today that the USDA announced the details of additional assistance for dairy producers, including a second round of PMVAP. That's a new acronym. Uh, We've had market facilitation payments, and now we're seeing a new one called the Pandemic Market Volatility Assistance Program uh, that was just released today. And they also have another one called ODMAP, which stands for the Organic Dairy Marketing Assistance Program. So all in all, it's like, yeah, ODAMP, ODAMP, ODMAP, ODM, oh. <laughs> ODMAP. Um, but it looks like it's earmarked about, I think, $100 million for dairy producers specifically. And obviously the ODMAP one is organic dairy specifically, but uh, all in all, quite a bit of extra money going toward the dairy industry. And they said as part of this first round of MPM VAP, dairy farmers will be eligible on up to 5 million pounds of fluid milk sales that they had from July through December of 2020. And the first round of payments distributed over $250 million in payments to 25,000 eligible farmers. So if you are a dairy farmer, you may have gotten an MVAP or a OD map, odd map. (laughs) Oh, there's so many things for us to try and keep separate, Delaney. But as our inflation is starting to maybe come under control, the Fed study states here that inflation is hurting lower income households as most food and housing costs are continuing to soar above average. So as they look at this demographically split from early 2021, to the end of the year, Black, Hispanic, and middle-income households were hurt the most by soaring prices. However, out of the most recent Fed report, the bottom 40% of households by income are the ones that are being hit the highest by the inflation currently. So it does not have anything to do with race mix-up, as all races were hit 
roughly the same within four tenths of a percentage point that is due mainly Delaney to the food and housing makeup and the expenditures of that category of 40%, the bottom 40% of households by income. This obviously reverses the advantage that this demographic had in the middle of the inflation time period. Older and college educated consumers are also feeling the greater impact there as they've been spending more on food and housing costs as well as vehicle purchases. But now we're looking at used car prices and fuel prices, as well as like we just alluded to in the egg article, some food prices coming back down. So it'll be interesting to see where things are headed now. The overall annual inflation rate fell at 6.5% in December. That was down from the 7.1% in the previous month. And of course, the 40-year high of 9.1% in June. But it looks like Delaney coming off of the first two articles for today, costs are starting to go back down. It certainly would sound that way, Tanner, wouldn't it? Absolutely. One thing is uh, prices are not going to come down on, or maybe they are starting to, which we'll get to here in a moment with Tommy Grzafi, but growers are continuing to plant more wheat, more wheat, excuse me, pursuing war boosted prices. U.S. wheat selling for a record high average of $9.10 per bushel right now, said that growers are going to push to potentially have the largest amount of land that we've seen in the wheat specifically in over seven years, which will be enough to bump up productivity or production in U.S. wheat by 17%. Uh, I think we're going to touch on this a little bit more with Tommy Grzafi coming up, so I will not get too far into depth there, Tanner, but just something to think and keep an eye, uh, keep an eye on here as we do head into that Market Monday segment. Yeah, and I've got just an update on the carbon pipelines that we've reported on over the last year. The judge is set to decide whether or not the pipeline trespassing cases will be able to proceed. As stated by uh, the defendant's attorney, says there's no evidence a carbon dioxide pipeline surveyor accused of trespassing knew that he was not welcome on the Dickinson County Farm in Iowa, and the criminal charges held against him should be dismissed, stated the attorney. So the district court judge is poised to decide today whether the trespassing charge against Stephen Larson, 28 of Arlington, South Dakota, should proceed to trial. The Des Moines attorney who represents Larson has requested the case be dismissed. Larson's trial was delayed while District Associate Judge Shauna Ditsworth considers the request. And now that is nearing its decision. Larson's part of the crew that works for Summit Carbon Solutions, which plans to work on that 680-mile pipeline network that we have been reporting on. There are other surveyors with cases that would fall into the same category by Summit and Navigator CO2, which is a couple of interviews that we have done in our podcasting history. If you want to go back and reflect on those, they're subject to a handful of civil lawsuits that this may set the precedence for. So we'll see, Delaney, here if the uh, judge allows this case to be heard or if uh, they will rule to dismiss it due to lack of evidence. Well, I had that story as well. So I think the last headline here I had to share, Tanner, was that the U.S. and Mexico are meeting this week, I believe in Mexico, specifically to resume negotiations over GMO corn exports. USDA, USDA Undersecretary of Trade and Foreign Affairs, Alexis Taylor, 
and agricultural ambassador Doug McCallop are in Mexico this week to discuss trade in biotechnology and specifically the GMO ban. So we may see some headlines out of Mexico coming out later this week. Yeah, and there should be more headlines here with my last one. The beef packing plant planned for Western Iowa just received a $150 million investment out of a Florida firm, moving its project closer to reality. So this Iowa project is one of four that we've talked about here that range from Nebraska to Texas that could add a $2.4 billion investment into the cattle processing industry, which could provide more than 8,900 head per day packing capacity. So Cattlemen's Heritage Beef Co., has been working on this proposed packing plant since the spring of 2021 and is looking to get this packing plant that will be south of Council Bluffs, Iowa, up and running. They have finalized the purchase on a 132-acre site where this packing plant will be built, and they will continue to push for funding with this project. The fund out of Naples, Florida, the Karis Capital Company, were the ones that had put the 150 million into this project. That's what I've got. Delaney, how did markets close today before we roll into our chat with Tommy Grisaki? Yeah, markets were a little ugly today, Tanner, which we'll talk more about here coming up in just a moment. But new new crop corn today lost nine and three quarters cents on the day to close at 586. Uh, soy oil was really kind of the only winner here across the Soybean complexes, they added some small moves to the board today, but new crop soybeans, however, did not down 12 and a half cents to settle at 1339 and a half hard red winter wheat closed 29 cents lower at 819. And as we look at livestock today, they had a little bit of an opposite story today to report on February live cattle added 85 cents at a buck 5747. March feeders added $2.30 to close at $183.27, and February lean hogs shed a quarter to close at $77.57. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Tommy Frizzoffi. For today's hashtag Market Monday conversation, we are joined by Tommy Grizafi of ATI or the AgWell podcast, as some of you may know him. Tommy, thanks for chatting markets with us today. Well, hello. So, Tommy, what uh, get us caught up here as markets closed on today, the 23rd. How do things look today in the grains? Uh, they look not as good as they looked on the 21st or 22nd. And uh, for as much as I could have stood up in front of the church or on a pew or a stage and told people markets are going to go down, I don't think farmers will actually believe it until they see it. And it starts to affect their pocketbook. And today, dug in there a little bit. Tommy, especially in the, the corn market, we've started in the new crop contract to see things tick sideways, but now kind of steadily lower since we put in some highs around the $6, six plus mark. Where are we going to find some footing here for the corn, for new corn market? Oh, that's a great question. I, uh, I, I would imagine in the lower fives would definitely get the end user back buying corn aggressively, exports aggressively, Mexico for corn, Japan for corn, they would all be in. But but you have to ask, uh, it's a futures market. What's the market seeing that uh, someone who's bullish might say, oh, we're in a drought here in Nebraska, which is true. What's the market seeing that common sense isn't seeing, right? So the futures markets, million and a half contracts of open interest. What what did everyone do to decide that today, these 23 corns worth 584, 585, and a week ago it was worth 610? What changed? And although a quarter doesn't sound like a lot, 
if I told you you lost a quarter on 15 billion bushels, that that starts to become a lot. So uh, obviously a dollar on 15 billion would be $15 billion. And we could easily lose that dollar. And that $15 billion is going to come directly out of the ag community. Yeah. So as we looked at what corn did today, we also saw soybeans gap a little bit lower. Was that mainly due to what's happening in South America? Yeah, definitely uh, comfortable saying that uh, over yesterday as the weather forecast came in that we knew we'd open lower and all eyes were actually on soybean meal, which now looking back close $10 off its low, very impressive. So rains in Argentina mean bearish beans, bearish meal, but the meal bounced back a lot. And as I look at my March meal ticket, it's only 10 ticks from the high of the day, which is a very impressive uh, bounce back. So meal, beans, definitely weaker open last night. We tried to claw back, couldn't do it. And of course, we haven't talked about it yet, but the wheat market's just ugly. When you look at border trade wheat, we almost have a six in front of the March wheat futures. We went as low as seven, 12 and a half. That market 10 months ago had a 12, a 13 and a 14 in front of it. So half off sale on wheat. And that's really the canary in the coal mine. What's wheat trying to tell us? Well, what is wheat trying to tell us, Tommy? Oh, did I set you up there, young Delaney? You are <laughs> uh, just wonderfully wicked smart. And I will be seeing you tomorrow in Ohio, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. We'll be at well, the Ohio Bankers meeting. Well, hopefully we could learn something from each other. Um, what is wheat trying to tell us? That the world is not running out of wheat and that higher prices do the job of the market, which get the world to produce extra or... Higher prices also make poor people not be able to afford our product. So is wheat down because $14 wheat's not affordable or is wheat down because $14 wheat sent out a signal to the whole world to plant wheat? It's one or the other, could be both. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting storyline for us to follow as we do start to fight over acres here in the U.S. Quite a few articles have come out about those that have planted wheat in the past historically maybe be leaning towards those types of crops even more. How does Russia, Ukraine kind of sitting idle right now, but ramping up for a potential spring offensive cause maybe some concern for wheat production in Ukraine? Well, Ukraine has some serious problems that just aren't going to go away or fixable, even if the war ended uh, today. And although we've exported a lot of that grain that was stuck in Ukraine, it's my understanding, and I, I thought it maybe Delaney and I talked about it when she was over here, but I think about a fourth of the ground in, in the Ukraine right now is not being farmed or not being farmed in the productiveness. It could be Delaney, was it you who someone had sent you that satellite industry from uh yeah, imagery yep. from Ukraine? One of you. And you yeah, go, exactly. What? One of the Ukrainian farmers sent me yeah. that and it's you you see a couple of different fields or paddocks or whatever they call it, but there were just um, circles all over in the aerial map highlighting all of the places where they had seen missiles or bombs or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it was quite pretty much all of the ground in those four plots was unfarmable. Right. So imagine driving down the interstate in Iowa and looking over and just seeing these fields that have had all these uh, shells. And uh, I, I, I can't imagine. And not to mention, there's something else we forgot too. When the Russians invaded Ukraine, the Ukrainians were so worried that the Russians were going to steal their equipment and everything that they took key parts off that equipment. So they're like, heck with it. You can't steal this combine. It's not going to run. I don't know if they ever put those back together or anything else. So without actually being there and seeing what's going to go on, I'll put Ukraine down for producing less 
but I'll put the rest of the world down for producing more. And here, right there in that sentence is the future of why prices are probably going a lot lower and going to create an incredible amount of uh, pain. And at some point, you might not be able to call your podcast Farm for Profit. It might be called Farm for Breakeven, or it may be <laughs> even Farm for Small Loss. Because I'll tell you this, and I say this with the utmost confidence, the market didn't care that it just gave you $2 a bushel more than it cost you to produce your grain for a few years. And the market's not going to care when it takes it away. So the number one job of the market right now is to overproduce bushels. It's always the job of the market. It's never been the job of the market to try to underproduce. And if the market wants you to underproduce, it'll get the price so low that it'll create so much pain to get you to overproduce. But prices went so high and stayed so high for so long that it's now in, in inevitable, big word there, that at some point here in the next few years, we're going to have much lower prices. Now, the timing of it, like a good joke, is everything. Was today the start of it or was today just a little down blip and we're going to go up for another month? Was it, is it over? You know, that that's where the talent in trading and speculating and hedging comes in, is that very timing of those hedges and those sales and having enough sold or not having enough sold. If you're a farmer out there right now and you hate the way this quote board looks, I promise you, you're sitting on old crop grain and you have very little sold for 23 and none for 24. I could guarantee it, money back guarantee, right here on your show. Okay, well, we're holding yeah, you right. to that, not us. Right, I'm not gonna yeah. send any money because it's their feelings. <laughs> you know, They're gonna call the police yeah. and say, most of all, what was hurt was my feelings, officer, right? And it's their feelings yeah. of how they feel when the market goes down. If it bothers you when the markets go down, you're holding on to too much grain. Instead, they can sell that grain and get 4%. I bet you, Tanner, what's your bank giving for a six-month year CD right now? You're a banker. Yeah, you're right. It'd be in that, in that ballpark. Absolutely. Sell grain, buy calls, give Tanner the money. Here's his number. Buy a CD at his <laughs> bank, right? <laughs> So I wanted to ask too, because you said that we were going to see, or we've already started to see aggressive acres for wheat and aggressive production. We saw, of course, the WASD report a couple of weeks ago now, but we didn't have a market Monday right after that due to uh, the holiday there. So you're kind of our first person we've gotten to talk to since that report dropped of 1.6 million acres of corn. They just disappeared or where'd they go? Well, they kind of uh, droughts do matter and rains do matter. And they were so low in production that they were probably chopped for silage and various other things. It's uh, interesting how the uh, yield went up a little, but the acreage went down. That was a significant loss in acres. And the reason analysts thought that number would be so bearish is that we know we've lost demand, but when you recalculate that acreage loss and you put it into that final number, that was the bullishness in that report. We're now at equal to those levels that we were really Without even looking at chart, I could tell you that the market's about the same place it was before that Thursday report. So we had that Thursday USDA report, big up day, follow through on Friday, follow through on Sunday, Monday, which would have been last week when you normally have your show, but we had the holiday. So we were closed for Martin Luther King Day. We opened that night or I believe Tuesday or Monday night and we followed through again into Tuesday morning. Now look back here a week later. And we're at the exact same level like that number never happened. And that's that demand going away and people not being able to afford our grain. Well, Tommy, I only have one more question. Maybe Delaney has some more, but it looks like maybe seeing the grains gap lower pushed 
the meats up a little bit higher. How did uh, live cattle and hogs finish the day out? Yeah, everything was firm over there. We did have a cattle uh, report last Friday, and some people look at that as friendly. I think also some of the weather, some of the storms that come through your area a week ago, you guys had some snow and ice and pin conditions are great. Cattle had sold off last week. Cattle board looks over at those lower grain prices and says, this makes sense. Let's rally. It was very much led by the front month feeder contract. All the other contracts followed. Live cattle followed. Of course, hogs are hogs. They they tend to move a couple hundred points up or down every day. And I'm never quite sure why. Well, I think I am out of questions as well, Tommy, other than to ask you where folks can get a hold of you if they want to pick your brain a little bit more on the markets or maybe open a brokerage account with you. You do some of that too. We we do all types of stuff. Now, uh, you know, I'll take anyone listening anywhere they want to be. If they want to become a member of the Board of Trade and pay no commission, I'll take you to that spot. It's a relatively free commission, free being a relative term. And that would require someone to get a seat at the Board of Trade and go clear at a real clearing firm. And then, of course, I'll show people how to become a client or a broker and have a broker work with them. So any level you're at in futures and options, I believe I can help make you better. And how would you do that? You'd call 1-800-664-4383. Call me out, see if I'm bluffing, or if I could really get you to that point. It'd be fun if someone challenged me. Awesome, Tommy. Thank (laughs) you so much for joining us. Delaney, one question for you. Are you laughing with me or at me? Yeah. Oh, maybe a little of both. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you both. Another great perspective on a Market Monday conversation. Thanks, Tony, for hanging around. I'm looking forward to what the rest of the week is going to bring. I am as well, Tanner. I know we've got a couple conversations already lined up in the works this week that are going to be fantastic. So folks do hit subscribe if you're not already subscribed to the Ag News Daily Podcast so you can get notifications when those new episodes drop every day. But Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.